98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We're, we are live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios. Hour number four of this show. No, this is the fourth hour. Did you know that, Wolf? We're already in the fourth hour? It's beautiful, isn't it? I just completely confused myself. I don't know why I thought it was like 11. Blows right by, doesn't it? That's when you know you're having fun. It has been a fun show. You uh, you recovered from the overtime rule change quicker than I thought you would. Yeah. You found out right before we went on the air. That was really messing me up. Um, there are two things that really have hit me hard the last two days. I would say um, yesterday it was the fact the Arizona Cardinals were going to practice with the Tennessee Titans. I was, yeah, baby, that got me jacked up. And what really bummed me out was the fact that they're messing with the overtime rule again. You know what? The game of football really messed you up is the uh, the shirt that you're wearing. Yeah, it's company issued Arizona sports shirt. <laughs> right. Yeah, I have the same shirt. Okay. Almost wore it. Yeah, almost wore it. How okay. messed up would well, that, that have been? That would have been, yeah, a little weird. We would have had to walk around the newsroom like, this is how we do this show. We just yeah. always wear the same thing and walk around okay. and say, it would have been great. Yeah. So now I'm never going to wear an Arizona sports show in here just to be okay, safe. that's good. Yeah. Okay. You, so you actually, you were going to go with a polo, but you decided the button down with your button shirt all the way down? Yeah, is that it's what you're black. saying? Okay, great. So you never wear anything cool that's black, and I'll never wear any Arizona okay, sports polos and we'll yeah, be set. right. Okay. Just button your shirt up, will you please? You can't get any more button than this. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are yes, like, hey, I can't Stop talk. My, 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 my oh my goodness, you got a two down. Who wears their shirt two down? Well, we're operating a club out of the I mean, newsroom, there's, too. There's only one. No, it's too uncomfortable. Okay. All right. Uh, ESPN put out a uh, their media members, 100 media members, their MVP straw poll. They do this a couple times a year. But this one now, there's only, what, eight games, seven games left in the season? And so they have Jason Tatum fifth. John Morant fourth, Giannis third, Joel Embiid second. Joel Embiid's a pretty heavy favorite in Vegas, like as far as people putting their money on who's going to win. Nikola Jokic, especially stat wise, has gone off lately. Okay, he did win the MVP last year. Um, <laughs> he's having just as good of a year stat wise, if not better, this year than he did uh, last year. But the point, Wolf, is that there's still no Devin Booker on this list. I'm not asking for Booker to be number one or two. But how about we just acknowledge that he's in the league and having a good season? Three would be good, right? Three would be good. You'd be saying, okay, he's in the conversation if he was three. At least top five. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know you're preaching to the choir on this one. I, I understand that. I know it. But it's, again, the skepticism that surrounds this team from the rest of the basketball universe. It's obvious. This is Exhibit A. It's it's the fact that even Devin Booker, as an all-star right now, even Devin Booker is not getting the credit or the respect that he deserves because people don't believe what they're seeing with the Phoenix Suns. They don't, which is amazing. And I get it. We, we've been talking about it all morning, and we've been talking about it all off-season. I mean, going into this season, we were talking about the fact the Phoenix Suns, nobody was giving the Suns the credit they deserved. And suddenly, even during this unbelievable, historical season the Suns are having, they're still not believing what they're seeing. Well, I'm looking at this list, and the only guy on this list that's done anything in the playoffs is Giannis, having won the title last year. 
I mean, Jokic has made the playoffs. Embiid's won a couple series. I'm not saying Embiid shouldn't be on the list. Embiid's going to win. But like John Morant, there's very few players in the NBA I like watching play basketball yes. more than John Morant. Yes, I love John. He, he's, he's on he, the right path, and it's accelerated. But why doesn't that work against John Morant? Hey, we've never seen you do anything in the playoffs. Devin Booker went to the finals last year. Yeah. So why, yeah. again, why is there why? like, okay, well, here's our five criteria. Uh, well, this doesn't fit. Yeah, but we want that one to fit, so we'll just move that over. Why doesn't Booker check all these boxes? Yeah, I don't think the Suns are good. So have you compared the uh, scoring, of course, of Jokic, the Joker, with Devin Booker? I, I think a lot of people, what hurts Devin Booker is well, Booker's well. scoring more. Okay, what I think is hurting Devin Booker is the fact this is the reason why I use Jokic. Um, Jokic is also a facilitator. And it's one of the reasons why they look at him as this guy that is the most valuable player. How well he does in terms of distributing the ball as well. And I think people see Chris Paul, and nobody talks about Chris Paul being an MVP, yet we know he's totally changed the culture of the Phoenix Suns completely. Night and day, up and down. Now listen, there's a lot of people involved. James Jones, Monty Williams, David Booker, Jay Crowder. There's a lot of people that form the culture of the Phoenix Suns. But still, people don't look at Chris Paul and think there's an MVP. And yet, I think that also hurts Devin Booker. Because they think Chris Paul is playing in the backcourt with Chris Paul. And Chris Paul, we all know how important Chris Paul is to the Suns. Could Devin Booker truly be the MVP of the league when he might not be the MVP of the Suns? Well, here's more from that Bill Simmons podcast that we referenced from Sunday night on that very topic, actually. No, he's not going to be the MVP, but he's going to be in the top five. And we'll talk about some of the historical stuff. What, What I was thinking was there are these weird seasons over the years when there can almost be a duo MVP that trumps whoever the actual MVP was. And I'm wondering if... The Chris Paul Booker combo will remember. There's been other examples of this. I, I think LeBron and Wade in 2011 was a good example. Uh, Durant and Curry together in 2017. That Warriors team was so good in 2017, they didn't even have a top five MVP. Going way back, there was West and Wilt, 1972. There was a Cowens Havlicek, 1973. So sometimes the team is awesome. But there's not one guy that's responsible for it being awesome, and we kind of don't know what to do with the MVP thing. I'm going to remember the Suns' backcourt probably first out of anything from this regular season. I don't know. Would you Would you have another candidate for that? If you're just like, how am I going to remember this season 10 years from now? I would probably start with Paul and Booker. See, that is it right there. That is that is so well said. He hit the nail on the head. He That is exactly what I'm talking about. He just said it way better than I said it. It's <laughs> well, just what I'm talking You think of, when you think of the Suns, you think of the backcourt. When you think of the Suns, you think of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and that's why D-Book is seventh right now. Honorary mention. Well, and he said there at the end, when he thinks of the NBA this year, he's thinking of Devin Booker and Chris Paul, not just the Suns. But to his point on that 2017 Warriors team that obviously steamrolled through the league, that was the year they won it when they had Durant as well. 67-15, and 15, that Warriors team. They were coming off back-to-back finals appearances. And your top five MVP vote-getters that year were Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kawhi, LeBron, and Isaiah Thomas. So that maybe is the effect of what we're seeing right here. Yes, 
I believe it is. Um, and they had Steph was sixth, Durant was tied for ninth. Now, I'm sure the Warriors, I'm sure those guys would rather not have the MVP, which they didn't get, but go out there and win 67 games and beat LeBron in the finals, which is what they did. Yes. And that's that's the path the Suns have to take, which, by the way, is the better path. You'd much rather have the the NBA Finals victory than Devin Booker winning MVP and Mikel Bridges winning Defensive Player of the Year and Monty Williams winning Coach of the Year. Yeah. You know, it's so amazing because Steve Nash, of course, he won the MVP. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm thinking, too? I'm thinking the Suns, for the most part, Mike D'Antoni, the seven seconds or less was so, it was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. It truly was that kind of offense. And I think that was one of the big reasons why Nash won the MVP. And, and that's a good thing to point out, too, because we've seen the Suns be exciting and win individual awards before. We're not seeing that now. We're maybe going to see them win a title, though. You just gave me the break symbol. Well, yes. you, you were single. You gave it's it to break. Yeah, break. I understand. Thank you. All right. Uh, when we come back, this is uh, this is straight from the desk of producer Wolf. If the Arizona Cardinals were on Hard Knocks, a we wouldn't have to watch the Lions. B, what would be the top five Cardinal storylines? We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> Arizona's Sports Station. All right, it's going to be the Lions on Hard Knocks this year. Is this better, by the way? I can't breathe. I buttoned it all the way up. Oh, there it is right there. It looks more preppy. I feel like I'm running for like a governmental office in 1850. Yeah. Or like British Parliament. Yes. It looks good, though. Let's talk quickly because I'm about to pass out. Lack of air. (laughs) Um, All right. So the Lions are going to be on Hard Knocks this year. But if it were the Cardinals, this is from the mind of producer Ron Wolfley. What would be the top five storylines? I should let you set that up since this is your idea. You know what? Honestly, Luke, that really is a great question right now what would be what are you laughing at? No, nothing just <laughs> i mean seriously it is a good question yourself off no but you're you just um promoted listen, your own question hard knocks this was something i ripped it right off i i forget where it was i think it was on yet no it was on nfl that's it mm. the nfl.com ladies and gentlemen hard knocks training camp with the detroit lions five storylines to look forward to this was their take on it. Number one, Dan Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Number two, will owner Sheila Ford step into the limelight? How about that? Okay. Um, Number three, third time's the charm for Jared Goff. Oh, third time. Third time what? Being um, on Hard Knocks? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> no, it is. It's okay. being on, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming, of course. <laughs> Number four, putting the D back in Detroit. Hold on. Do you, you know the story with Jared Goff the first time he was on Hard Knocks, right? He didn't know what side of the earth the sun rose on and set on. I, I did. Okay. Yeah. That was Cal Berkeley, by the way. <laughs> Paul Calvisi. That was Cal Berkeley. Paul Cal Berkeley? Just, <laughs> just for, yeah, just for the record. Um, number four, putting the D back in Detroit. And number five, the Jamal Williams show, which I guess allegedly the running back, Jamal Williams, is an absolute gas. Okay. Like hysterical. Loves the camera and everything else. So that got me thinking, of course, what if the Arizona Cardinals were on hard knocks? What would be the five top storylines of 2022? If the Cardinals were on hard knocks. Okay, well, here we go then. We're going to give you okay, ours right now. You ready? We'll, yeah, I'm, this is how you're going to know I'm ready right here. 
Number five. Are we counting up, or are we just giving five stars? Well, I guess we're, we're counting down now, because you started with number five. Oh, yeah, you work Correct. your way up the list. Well, okay, that's the way you want to do it. All yeah. right, fine. That's I got no problem with that. Um, I'm going to start. Cliff Kingsbury morphing into the alpha male in the room. You do it my way, or you hit the highway. That, to me, would be number five. Yeah, this would be fun watching the Cardinals on Hard Knocks, actually, because there is some personality on this team. My number five is not necessarily something that's going to define their season, but having watched most every episode that they've ever done of Hard Knocks, I know this would play well. I just want camera crews following Marcus Golden and DJ Humphreys around because there's so much personality with those two. That's that good. would absolutely be a storyline. It would be the, the smallest storyline of the top five, but that would be a storyline for the Arizona Cardinals if they were on hard knocks. Well, that's kind of like uh, Jamal Williams at number five. Yeah, that's, right that's where yeah, I still that's that's idea. Rip it off. Yeah. That's nice right there. Okay, number four. <laughs> number four. Oh, man. My wow, goodness, that was, that was so loud. It's right through my ears. Uh, number four story for the Arizona Cardinals if they were on hard knocks. The Edge and Manning The Edge. <laughs> Manning, M A N N I N G, The Edge. Who is actually going to be on The Edge? If in fact it's not Chandler Jones, the professor, ladies and gentlemen, the back waxer that he is, PhD in back waxing, um, who is it going to be on The Edge? That is going to be a training camp battle. All right, my number four would be the heated discussions or the intense discussions and the emphasis put on avoiding another late-season swoon. That would definitely be one of the main storylines if the Arizona Cardinals were on hard knocks this season instead of Detroit. It's not an issue in Detroit because it's a full-season swoon for the Lions. But for the Cardinals, it would be, look how good we start every year. How are we going to avoid this? And they would talk about different things they're going to do late in the season, and I would watch it. All right, here's number three. Number three. Number three. Uh, The number three storyline, if the Arizona Cardinals were on hard knocks, which they are not, would have to be the transformation of this team from finesse to physicality. (laughs) Did you see what I did right there? Finesse to physicality. Um... Listen, this is something that is happening before our very eyes. It had to happen last offseason, as a matter of fact. This was something Steve Kine was talking about. Becoming more physical and having better leadership inside that locker room with an emphasis on the physicality. So he went out and he got physical players and he brought them in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we all know where this offense appears to be headed once again. In another offseason, now all of a sudden, Steve Keim is stocking the pond. And that pond has an awful lot of physical football players. Okay, maybe not the highest paid players on the free agent market, but physical football players nonetheless. What could this possibly mean? Especially since they're practicing against the Tennessee Titans. What could this mean? I'll tell you what it means. Forget about the fitness. It's time for physicality. Uh, My number three would be similar to your number five, Cliff Kingsbury, but Cliff with stability on his side. Whether you feel like they should have extended him and whether or not you feel like they should have extended him as long as they did if they were going to extend him. Either way, 
he's here for six more years. Now, that could change, but he's going into this uh, offseason with the most stability he's ever had as an NFL head coach. So certainly as somebody that covers his team, we've had him on the show a lot. Any Cardinals fan that is familiar with Cliff Kingsbury, it would be interesting to see how he embraces that role where he's got a little more stability than he has in the past. Number two. Steve Kime and the two number one picks at inside linebacker. That has got oh, to be a big a story going forward. The direction of this defense and this team could be directly tied to the success of those two guys, Isaiah Simmons and Zavin Collins. The direction of this defense and this team based on their seasons. That's storyline number two. Well, I'll... I'll branch off that a little bit so I'm not giving the exact same one. I'll say number two would just be J.J. Watt. How he how he leads this defense, but more than anything, Wolf, J.J. Watt likes a camera. I don't think he would mind being on camera and I think he'd be pretty good on camera. He's definitely one of the personalities on this team they would follow around the most. So I'll branch off your talk of the linebackers and just now with no Chandler Jones, how are they getting to the quarterback? How is J.J. Watt leading this defense in year number two? Here's number one. Number one. Numero uno. Unbelievable. All right, Basinonians. If, in fact, the Arizona Cardinals were going to be on hard knocks, we're giving you the top five storylines of 2022. Number one. The number one storyline for the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray. Yep. The Kyler Murray watch. Does Kyler Murray hold out? Does he hold in? Or does he hold on? And if I know Hard Knocks, and I agree, obviously, Kyler would be the number one storyline. They would start the first episode with, like, the camera low on the ground with, like, a baseball bat and a glove next to it. That's how they would start it. And then they would they would go from there. Yes, yes. the drama. Yeah, just to build it up. All right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up, NFL owners approved a modified overtime rule for postseason only. How do we feel about this one? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, we got new overtime rules. Wolf, how excited are you for this? Not excited at all. No. And I think you know that, of course. Somebody passed the barf bucket. <laughs> so here's Ian Rappaport. I'm just going to let him explain it. Maybe he can make it sound better than it actually is. In talking to coaches and talking to owners over the past couple of days, the sense I got was, guys, this was more popular among owners than it was in coaches. Coaches were a little more reserved. I know plenty of the coaches I spoke with were like, can we just play defense? Why do we have to change? But enough owners wanted to make this change. It ended up being 29-3 to 3 was the vote on the compromise solution. It's not the original Eagles coach proposal. That was for changing overtime where both teams got a possession in the regular season and playoffs. It is just the playoffs. Uh, but look, I mean, of all of the arguments, and we've talked about plenty more in the last couple of days, doesn't Josh Allen deserve a possession is the strongest argument. And in this, in this NFL, when quarterbacks dominate everything, and we have seen it dominate the last three weeks of the offseason, making sure that your guy gets possession 
seems to be the most important thing. I, I th- Before you go off, because I know you're about to, let me just say this to what was just said right there. And we're going to use the Mahomes and Josh Allen example, because this is what obviously would triggered it, what happened last year. So now Patrick Mo- and so instead of Mahomes gets one possession and Josh Allen doesn't get any, Josh Allen gets his possession, but Mahomes gets two. This did literally nothing. Now that I've heard this soundbite, it doesn't shock me that the coaches weren't on board. This does nothing. This doesn't solve anything. Okay, the floor is yours. You gotta, you've, you've gotta be kidding me right here. Um, listen, are, are there warning bells going off for anybody else when you hear what he just said? Who was this reporting this again? Ian Rappaport. Ian Rappaport. Is this some guy that typically doesn't break some stories right here? Yeah, he's he knows pretty accurate, stuff. right? Yeah. He's pretty accurate when he breaks his story. Are you telling me the owners voted for this? The coaches didn't want it. Boy, go figure. Are the warning bells going off for anybody right now? Warning? Well, Robin said, Google it, my young crunks. You You get my point. So the football people, those that actually know the game deep down inside on every level, the coaches, the football people, they didn't want to change it. That's what I heard him say. The owners wanted to change it. I've got a clip right here from Mike Tomlin. I haven't heard it yet, but do you want to hear it? Yes. To be quite honest with you, I'm a sudden death advocate. I'm a traditionalist. I don't fear sudden death, and I never have. Uh, But obviously, I lost that battle a decade ago. (laughs) But my position remains unchanged. (laughs) I am one of the few sudden death advocates, I would imagine. I don't think I've ever heard Mike Tomlin laugh. Honestly, I've never heard him laugh before. And this is why. I think (laughs) it just freaks you out. It's like, Mike, what are you doing? Who are you? I don't even know you anymore. Um, do you hear what he just said right there? Sudden death. This is me. This is my stance right here. Sudden death. And the only thing I would change, and I think it makes perfect sense, is let the home field advantage reign. So the home team actually gets to possess the ball in the overtime period. That is it. Period. How strongly do you feel on that? Because that's you're the first person I've heard with that idea. And I, I feel like you're almost just like, if you have to change something, change this. I think you have to make that change. Get rid of the coin. Yes. Home field Home should get field the ball first. Then you know late fourth quarter, both teams know. There's no taking a knee if you're the road team. And we'll, we'll just try our luck in overtime. No, they're getting the ball first. Exactly right. And not only that, too. Let's say you're the road team. And it's 28-21. Oh, my goodness. You're driving down the field. Here you go. You get it in. Somehow, some way. You get it in. And there's 10 seconds left. No, no, no. That's not good. Um, let's say there's, well, it doesn't matter. You get it in. There's under a minute to go mm-hmm. in the game. What are you going to do? You're going to kick the extra well, point and send it in overtime? Not if or, there's 10 seconds. Or no. are you going to go for two? Are you going to go for two? <laughs> you could, I think you're going to go for you, two. You almost have in that to. Situation. In that situation. Yeah. I think you're going to do that. Most, uh, the strategy is there then. Yeah, you got to consider, how's my defense going to hold up against their offense? What has their offense been able to... What did their offense do in the fourth quarter, by the way? Were we shutting them down, or were they scoring? 
and suddenly took the lead. And that's what, I mean, you've got to consider all of that. And it makes perfect sense. But defense is a part of the game. You want to you want to do something about it? Go make a play on defense. You have a chance just like everybody else. Go make a play. I I I as a player from a player's perspective and being a a thoroughbred when it comes to football. It's so fascinating to me to hear the coaches didn't want it because they believe defense matters too. Yeah, you're right. You got a chance. You got a defense, you got a chance. Make a play. Quit crying. And if you're a player, bone up. We saw Cincinnati do this against the Chiefs. Remember? The Chiefs, everybody just looks at, oh, well, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen back and forth, and they went to overtime, and Josh Allen never got a chance at the ball. Well, Kansas City went to overtime the next week, too, against the Bengals. Yeah. Won the coin toss. Yeah. Didn't win the game because Cincinnati picked Patrick Mahomes off. Yeah. Interesting. They made a play defensively against the legendary Patrick Mahomes. They made a play. I could just stop it. It's not fair. You know what? The game of football isn't fair either. And if you're playing the game of football, you realize that in a heartbeat. Because suddenly it's you and Lawrence Taylor. And you're trying to block the greatest football player that ever lived. And he kills you, metaphorically speaking. Destroys you in front of everybody. Is that fair? No, it's not fair. It's The game of football isn't fair. If you're better than the other guy, it's not fair. And so shall it ever be. Stop crying about it and do something about it. Make a play and bone up. It's such a simple solution, what you're talking about, that I I don't understand. I'm almost mystified that it isn't the one they're going with. Because look. You get to overtime, one team gets the ball first. It is an advantage. That's fine. But it should go to the home team. It allows the yeah. road team. It, it, what it does is it gives the home team the advantage, which they should have. Right. It allows the road team to account for it. It's not just, oh, we called tails and it was heads, our season's over. Yeah. Like, and then, like you said, you can still make a play defensively. It's not like you just lose the game. I don't understand why that's not the solution. I, I really don't. I'm blown away by the fact that Ian Rappaport reports that the coaches didn't want to do anything. The owners did. The other That, that blows me away. The, you can blame the Colts and the Eagles for this, I guess. Um, the Titans' proposal was the team with the first possession in overtime only wins with a touchdown if they also get a two-point conversion, which is better than what we're getting, but home field gets the ball first is the simplest and end-of-discussion solution. Because right now we're heading for, well, each team should get two possessions. Well, how about we just have playoff games end in a tie then? Once again, it's the home field advantage, and there should be a home field advantage right there. In a regular season game, that's great. And there's strategy involved for for the road team, for the home team as well. There's strategy that is involved. You know what's coming. They're going to get the ball. What about the postseason? Oh, boy. Now it really doubles down in the postseason. You know exactly what to expect. And you earned home field and in you the postseason. Earned home, that's why it's so that's why the regular season is so important. 
that you earn that home field advantage so that if it does go in overtime, you get the ball first. And then just reinstate sudden death, please. We should uh, point out this change is going in just for the playoffs, not for the regular For season. the record, I am with Mike Tomlin. Thank you. Are you going to laugh like Mike Tomlin? No. I, I didn't think Mike Tomlin yeah. laughed, to be That's, honest. Yeah, I've never heard him laugh. I've uh, never seen him really smile. No. And I just always assume that's why he's one of the best coaches I've ever seen. Or he smiles behind the scenes. I don't know. But not laugh. Craig loves him. Last shot to participate in the madness. Text Bucks to 620-620 and choose from the last four teams for your chance to win $500. That's Bucks to 620-620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Now, coming up, we've talked a lot about how the Cardinals need to go out and replace Chandler Jones with somebody But what if the Cardinals don't actually think they need to go out and replace Chandler Jones with somebody? We'll discuss that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. See the uh, New Orleans Saints signed Andy Dalton? I really thought we were going to do three hours on that, but we just didn't quite get to it. <laughs> no, I did not see that. You did. So you told me. It's, <laughs> thank you for recapping what just happened. So I, I'm guessing Jameis is the starter, Andy Dalton's the backup. And I guess that's where uh, New Orleans is going. New Orleans is going to be a completely different looking team from what we're used to seeing. Like two years ago, you still had Drew Brees, you still had Sean Payton. Now, now it's just a complete overhaul. So you're telling me it's going to be Jameis Winston, yes, and it's Andy Dalton I, as his backup. I would guess so. Yeah. Um, once again, the traditional offense is not dead in the NFL. Do not believe it. Do not believe it when you hear people actually say that. Yeah, that's a good point by Maloney. Where is what? Where what happens to Taysom Hill? You know what? He's actually being moved to tight end. Is he? That's what they're. That's gonna what do. they're going to do. Playing more at tight end. Yeah. Huh. Which is a little surprising to me. When you say tight end, you mean H back, correct? The move tight end, of course. The H back that also has a little bit of fullback into him. That's exactly what's going to happen. I think what you're seeing once again, this pendulum continues to swing back, Basinonians. It does. This. 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 This huge stampede that happened towards the new age offense and the spread, and here we go, and all the shotgun, and we're going to do it all. It's it's dead. It is coming back more towards the middle, where it's a blending of the two, as it should be. What a beautiful thing that is. But there are offenses in the National Football League that are going to go out and they're going to run a traditional offense. Isn't that right, Tom Brady? I mean, there's still offenses in the NFL that are winning Super Bowls, I might add, that continue to run traditional offenses. Isn't that right, Matthew Stafford? The other thing about the Saints, Michael Thomas is still on the Saints. It feels like he's been out of football for a couple of years because he didn't play last year and he only played seven games the year before. But 
The year before that, he had 149 catches for 1,725 yards and nine touchdowns. It's a pretty good season. Yeah, that is. So he's still hanging out in New Orleans. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to. <laughs> you this. just thought you'd bring that up. I just right figured there. if we're going all we New could Orleans dream radio, a little bit right now. Yeah, maybe they could uh, ship him over to the there's, Cardinals. There's your number two. Yeah, problem solved right <laughs> he's there. Number one on most teams. Uh, Les Snead at the league meetings talked about the Rams' plan to replace Von Miller and. I'll read you the quote, uh, quote real quick. He said, realistically, you lose Von Miller. It's hard to say, okay, there's another human being like Von Miller on the planet. There's one of him. He'll go to the Hall of Fame because of it. But with that being said, since 2017, we've been a team that consistently ranks near the top in sacks and pressures and things like that. It's just come in different ways with different mm-hmm. people. I think when you lose a player like Vaughn, still want to pressure the quarterback, you might have to do it in different ways with different people, unquote. How do you apply that to the Arizona Cardinals? Ding, ding, ding. we got a winner right there. Um, listen, there are three ways, basically, to get pressure on a quarterback, based on means. Number one is the better-than defense. The better-than defense. you got four guys that rush the quarterback that are just better than the five guys trying to block them. That's the most preferred way. you got four guys who can get to the quarterback. You drop seven all day long. And you can get pressure on a quarterback with four. The better than defense. That's number one. Number two, scheme. The scheme defense. Using complex blitz and pressure packages to generate pressure on the quarterback. That's number two. That is where Vance Joseph, by the way, excels. Number two. The third way you can actually get pressure on a quarterback is coverage. The secondary does such a great job covering people. The pass rush gets pressure. Because the quarterback has nowhere to go with a football. And then, number four, I could throw in a combination of all of that. But when you think of the Arizona Cardinals and how they're going to replace Chandler Jones, um, I think of scheme. It's not the better than defense. It's scheme. Using complex blitz and pressure packages to get pressure on an opposing quarterback. And that's what Vance Joseph has excelled at in his career. It's one of the reasons why he actually became a head coach with the Denver Broncos. It was because he was so creative, so original with his pressure packages, bringing five, that he made a name for himself. Well, you know what? Um, They've already done this, by the way, Luke. 2020. Do you remember 2020? What happened in 2020? <laughs> Nothing happened in 2020. Okay. Blocked the whole year out. Well, there was a pandemic, of course. Were we still playing football in 2020? We were at the, by the end of 2020, I we asked, were playing football. I ask rhetorically, of course, that we're still playing football. And because of that, in 2020, when Chandler Jones went down, do you know the Arizona Cardinals? Chandler Jones only played five games for the Arizona Cardinals. He had one sack. Five games, one sack in 2020. I don't say that to rip Chan. What I say that is because the Arizona Cardinals that year were number five in sacks per attempt in the National Football League. Number five. Even though Chan got one sack and played five games. How did that happen? They were number 10 and number seven, respectively, in passing yards per game and passing yards per play. You're in the top 10. You're doing something. What? How did they get that kind of production right there? It was Vance Joseph. And he was using a lot of scheme and pressure packages, bringing five. You just didn't know which five he was going to bring. 
And Dennis Gardak did very, very well in that defense. Yeah, it was it was very spread out that year. Gardak was second on the team with seven sacks. They brought over Marcus Golden midseason. He had three. Devon Kennard had three. I, I, I'm i on board with what you're saying. I mean, obviously, I'd like them to bring in a, a Jadavian oh, Clowney if they could or of whatever. Course. The one thing that they did have that year was Hassan Reddick having a breakout year. There it is. That's that's the one thing that I still think is missing on this team. You I might think, not be able to bring an established guy, but you need to have somebody that, that could maybe break out. Yes, but I think a lot of that had to do with the scheme that Vance Joseph had created. And speaking of that, Dennis Gardak, the seven sacks he had were 93 pass rush attempts. <laughs> that's are a pretty you, good ratio. Are you kidding me? Well, they've already re-signed him. So they got two guys who actually broke out, if you ask me. So I don't know. I mean, I would assume they're gonna. It's still they're gonna have to fill out the roster. They're gonna have to sign an edge rusher. Maybe they will sign a a a pure pass rusher. But it is an interesting thought when you hear Les Snead talking the way he was yesterday about replacing Von Miller. Of course, they have Aaron Donald, and that's a nice luxury to have in L.A. All right, that's gonna do it for us here today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney for producing the show and running the board uh, for Lauren uh, Koval as well behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.